Network. I'm your host, Kristen Anderson, and thank you so much for joining me this Friday. So hands up if you saw this coming a week ago. This team is 4-0-1 with their point streak up to a season-high five games. And with Thursday's 4-3 win over the Buffalo Sabres, they've got their first three-game win streak of the season. And to top it all off, they're 3-0-0 in the Jeff Ward era. Yes, I realize that that era is literally only a week old but it still counts as an era right and yes I realize it's only been three games so that's not a heck of a lot of time for any coach to imprint his philosophies and to put his stamp on a team but you have to admit there's been some really interesting moves that he's made so far these past three games and especially this week too at practice there's lots of changes that are happening he spread out the offense completely on the top three lines especially he mixed up all of the lines and this is a good thing change is good this is what this team needed a little bit of freshness a little bit of new eyes on things and from what we've heard so far from Jeff Ward everything is about the collective approach he's all about having discussions with players he's constantly evolving I want to get into this a little bit later obviously about the line combinations that he used earlier this week at practice and then translated into Thursday's games. I think the biggest thing for me is the change in philosophy that we're seeing. It's a totally different approach and it worked. On Thursday night, you saw it. You saw the bench being excited about goals. The Milan Lucic era began in Calgary on Thursday night. Uh, We'll get more into him a little bit later, but I think the biggest thing is that these guys are realizing that they're a part of the process. These players are realizing that it's their program, not the coach's programs. And Jeff Ward wants to help. He wants to get his players' success. There's been some fascinating subplots that have been happening this week, and we'll continue to watch as the season progresses. The biggest thing for me is the bench management and the changes that we have saw this week at practice implemented and translated into on-ice results on Thursday. Back to Milan Lucic. So he finally scores his first goal for the Flames, snapping a 28-game drought. And that puts the team up 4-1 in the third period of Thursday's game. But to find his last goal, you'd have to date back all the way to April 2nd when he was with the Oilers. And they played the Colorado Avalanche that night. So Thursday was meaningful for Lucic. You could you could see it. You could tell it. And you could tell that it meant so much to his teammates and to the Flames and to the fans. And look, we all know what Lucic brings to the table at this point in his career. He knows what he brings to the table at this point in his career. And we all know he isn't the same player that once scored 30 goals with the Boston Bruins back in 2010-11. He won the Stanley Cup that year, of course, with Jeff Ward. But if you are Jeff Ward, you have to utilize him. And he knows exactly how to do that. So let Milan Lucic play to his strengths and let him be in positions to succeed. He does bring elements to the table and we saw that Thursday night against Buffalo. He's physical, he can win puck battles and he can fish out pucks and and really do the dirty work in the corners. We know that he can do that. He's not going to score goals but well he did score a goal on Thursday night but you know it's, it's, it's about putting 
putting people in positions to succeed. So Milan Lucic simply did that. And we'd seen trends. We'd seen him trending in the right direction. And he's had a couple of good games and obviously hasn't been scoring at the pace that James Neal has been scoring at in Edmonton. But I think this trade, this is the most you could ask for Milan Lucic out of this trade. He was wearing the Calgary Police Service cowboy hat. It was a pretty cool sight. And he's been super appreciative of the home fans and his teammates. And the home fans have really embraced him in Calgary. You should hear that roar when he scored at the Saddle Dome. Bit of a ricochet shot that went in. But you know what? You look at the excitement on Dylan Dubé's face, on Derek Ryan's face, and even David Riddick got in on that celebration. So when the Sabres stormed back in the third period and the Flames were able to hang on, the fact that it was Milan Lucic to score the game winner, I think that that was just so poetic and, and good on him. He's a super guy. His teammates could also tell that the crowd was just dying for him to score. That was something that Jeff Ward said after the game. He said it was so awesome to see the crowd exploded and the smile on his face. And he's a guy that comes to work every single day. He's a super pro and he's team first all the time. So to see him break through was awesome. And that kind of brings me to my next subject and what I want to get into in just a minute. I'm going to dive into some of those line combinations that I referenced earlier and also just expand a little bit more on Jeff Ward's philosophy on keeping continuity between his lines and bench management and also of course set you up for this weekend's game. Saturday night Calgary plays the LA Kings, all that coming up. But first let me tell you a little bit about DoorDash. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurant come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. So, of course, the big storyline heading into Thursday's game was the line combinations. I don't think anybody could stop talking about the line combinations and how just how much of a change that Jeff Ward was implementing. And I shouldn't say just say Jeff Ward because this is a collective approach. This is Jeff Ward and his partners in terms of all the coaching staff getting together and sitting down with the players and asking them where they're at and having a collaborative conversation about what would make them better and things that they th- they they see that maybe nobody else has seen before or other coaches haven't seen before. So this is a totally different approach than anything what we've seen before with the Calgary Flames. We'll hear from Jeff Ward in just a little bit, but I just want to give you a rundown of the line combinations that started the game on Thursday. And we'll see a little bit more of this. Jeff Ward said that this was a continuous thing and they wanted to see some continuity with these lines just to get some traction and to have the players gain some chemistry. So we started the game with... Matthew Kachuk on the left side, Elias Lindholm in the middle, and Andrew Mandupani on the right-hand side. Sean Monaghan played wing. That doesn't mean that he can't take face-offs and still will be able to, especially with Michael Backlund at center and Dylan Dubé on the right-hand side. So he started the game on the left-hand side. Sean Monaghan did. Milan Lucic played on the left-hand side with Derek Ryan and Johnny Goudreau. Johnny Goudreau started the game on his off wing on the right side on the quote-unquote third line. Now, I don't know. A lot of people have made a huge deal 
feel about this one line, second line, third line. And definitely people said, oh, well, Johnny Gaudreau is demoted to the third line. I don't necessarily agree with that. Yes, okay, so he hasn't been playing great. We know that. We know that his offensive production isn't even uh, close to where it should be right now. But that being said, he puts, Jeff Ward puts Johnny Gaudreau with Milan Lucic and Derek Ryan in hopes of gaining Johnny a little bit more room to move, a little bit more room to make plays, and he called it hiding in the weeds. And we saw a little bit of, uh, you know, a better game from Johnny Gaudreau. Obviously, he scored on the power play. He was a plus one. He finished the game with 13 minutes and nine seconds, which isn't a lot of ice time comparatively to the ice time that he's he's has logged in the past. That That's not a bad thing necessarily, but he finished the game with five shots on net. It's like a team leading five shots on net. So in these line combinations, I should mention, didn't exactly result in direct goals. That's not a bad thing either because I think the purpose of this line shakeup was to get things going and to put a spark to instill some change in this group. And it did that. I think that uh, you saw uh, some great games from a lot of players who haven't really played that great in the past. Sean Monahan was able to, to uh, score, as well as Milan Lucic and Tobias Reeder. He scored shorthanded in the second period. And that, to me, is such a sign of confidence, the way that he was able to score on that breakaway. It was almost like Michael Backlund a few years ago. Remember when he would always have those breakaway chances and just couldn't, for whatever reason, find the back of the net? But Tobias Reeder, same thing. He goes without scoring last year completely with the Edmonton Oilers, comes to Calgary, is a little bit refreshed, and starts to gain some confidence in those chances, and then is able to score. So, um, yeah, like I said, the... The line changes didn't directly result in goals, but I think it was enough of a change to wake people up. Johnny Goudreau was no different. I think I think a lot of people were like, well, oh, he's demoted and see if this wakes him up to be on the third line. Well, no, I don't necessarily agree with that because it's a little, because he wants to get going. You saw when he scored his body language, he's so frustrated right now. His production is not where they want it to be, where he wants it to be. And he is a very passionate, player although it doesn't sometimes come across like that in interviews and um, in the public but I think he cares so much he wants to score he's getting frustrated that he can't and I think this really shook things up at least for everybody and it's different you're playing with different guys you're getting used to playing with different players so that when things are difficult you have these back combinations in your back pocket we all know that Johnny Goudreau, Sean Monaghan and Elias Lindholm can play together perhaps that's why he is in his production or all of their actually productions Sean Monaghan Elias Lindholm excluded but Sean Monaghan and Johnny Goudreau especially perhaps that's why their production isn't where it was last year because teams are keying in on their line and and they know what they're going to do so it's a good thing to switch things up you could always go back to those line combinations that they know but I think that if they run these for the next little while, it's not that, oh, Johnny Goudreau's been demoted onto the third, the third line, although it does look like that, and the third line does play your third less minutes traditionally. But I think this is a bigger issue, and this is internally, I don't think that they're looking at like that. Jeff Ward especially was talking a lot about how he doesn't view the lines as numbers and 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 the exterior world will see it differently, but I think internally, this is how they view this situation right now. And we'll hear from Jeff Ward right now. I want you guys to listen to 
the approach that he has to communication and the explanations behind his decisions, a lot of that is very clear in this was Thursday morning's press conference prior to the game. So just keep in mind, this was prior to Thursday's game, which was really insightful. Well, hopefully some goals. <laughs> I mean, but uh, no, I mean, you know, Luch has always had his most success with a right-handed center. You know, he played in Boston with Cretchy uh, and, you know, he, so a right-handed center for him makes him a better, more effective player because the right, the right shot center puts it into his corner. You know, he can get it in there on his forehand and Luch can get in and bang around and recover pucks and stay over top of pucks. And then it takes a little bit of the uh, focus away from Johnny. So hopefully uh, he's able to hide in the weeds and then pop into holes and, and get, putts, get pucks back. So the other benefit uh, for us with it is that uh, Luch does a real good job of saving pucks in the offensive zone. And uh, that may give us the opportunity to have Johnny get the puck more in the ozone. And uh, for us, that's a good thing. So we like the potential of the, of the three guys. And tonight we'll see it in game action for the first time. How important is it to get Johnny going in that sense? And do you see that being a bit of a spark? Being with well, sometimes new energy does things. And we're hoping it does something for everybody, not just Johnny. You know, um, if it can spark our team to play with, play harder and play with more energy, then, uh, you know, that's probably been a, a good move for us. But we're not certainly looking at one or two guys in our lineup. I mean, we've got to find ways to score more goals throughout our lineup. Uh, we've got to find more ways to, to be harder away from the puck. Uh, so we got lots of things that we need to work on as a group. And for us, uh, the, the changes in the lines were more so from that focus as opposed to just trying to get uh, one or two. You know, we'll see. It's a, it's a work in progress. Um, we'll take a look at it tonight and see how it is, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll go from there. But we want to try to give this an opportunity to, you know, to be around for a bit so guys are starting to develop some chemistry. We see some... You know, we've seen a little bit of chemistry with some of them over the last few days of practice, and hopefully that uh, you know gets some feet underneath itself and it starts to grow. Are you a big believer in that a sustained amount of games of guys in the same lines? Because you know it takes games to build that chemistry that you're talking about. Yeah, you know what? It's important for the players uh, more than anything. It, you, you need to play with the same guys relatively. I think it. I think it make it makes it easier for you. You know, the one thing when, uh, I'll tell you a quick story, when the analytics came in, uh, it seemed like players were bouncing around an awful lot quickly. And one of the comments a player made to me was, you know, he said to me, he said, what's going on here? He said, I've played with uh, 12 different guys in a week and a half. So, <laughs> you know, I, like for guys that are trying to, you know, get going in a season and things, I think sometimes that can be a negative thing. So for us, we want to, you know, it's a reset for us. And we want to, again, we talk about, you know, developing normalcy or, or being normal as much normal as we can. Uh, for us, we see this as an opportunity to tinker with some combinations, try some new things, so we're going to. And why not? They're playing relatively well right now, at least in the last five games since that closed-door meeting in St. Louis. So why not give things a try right now while things are going, while they're getting good goaltending and they're able to build some confidence and then see what happens in this extended run before Christmas and then after Christmas, of course, when the games really start to ramp up and matter. Just look what the St. Louis Blues did last year. In a minute, I want to talk a little bit about the upcoming games, the upcoming schedule for the Calgary Flames, and give you a little piece of good news. Well, I guess it's only good news if you're a arena supporter in the city. 
It's official. City Councilor Jeff Davison revealed on Thursday that there are a definitive agreement signed between the City of Calgary, the Flames, and the Stampede for Calgary's new event centre and Culture and Entertainment District. So that means that the Calgary Flames will have a new arena. It is official. There's no real timetable on when things will get going, but I'm sure all of that is being hammered out behind closed doors. We'll find out soon enough, but my vote is early and I would like a women's bathroom in the press box. There is one. It's just outside of the press box. It's shared with the public, obviously, but there isn't one downstairs in the media center. It's a co-ed bathroom. So just just my vote is uh, as a women's bathroom and some of those press boxes that you see in the States, some of the newer arenas have these fancy uh, TVs set up in the work area. So in the desk area that overlooks the arena, that overlooks the ice that is so convenient and able, you're able to see play by play so quickly. That's my vote as well too, is some personal TVs, just two small requests. That's all. I'm sure they'll really consider my requests when building the arena, but All right, so after Thursday's 4-3 win over the Buffalo Sabres, the Flames are 14-12-4, and they sit 11th in the Western Conference heading into Friday's action. So they're gaining some ground. There are three other teams that have 32 points, including the Minnesota Wild, Vancouver Canucks, and San Jose Sharks. So there is a bit of a dogfight for the Western Conference standings, and that's only going to separate in the new year. I think the Flames really need to focus on the schedule upcoming now and gaining ground. It's a huge stretch for them. They have six games in 10 nights, which is, again, a a massive opportunity for them to gain some ground. The LA Kings come to town on Saturday night, and then they have a back-to-back in Colorado and Arizona on Monday and Tuesday. And then the start of a four-game home stretch against the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have the Carolina Hurricanes in a week's time in a matinee, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Montreal Canadiens before Christmas or before their their last home game before Christmas. And then they have back-to-back games on the 22nd and 23rd, Dallas and Minnesota, That's right before the Christmas break, the three-day Christmas break. So lots of time to just tinker with their roster and just, I think, establish themselves and really solidify where they're at and and just really, I think that, I mean, obviously it's the three weeks until Christmas, but I think that this really gives them a chance to stabilize. And Jeff Ward is a big reason why that this is all happening. Let's look at the schedule when it pertains to David Riddick, or so how it pertains to David Riddick. He's played 24 games, which is a league high in among goaltenders in the National Hockey League. That's 1,447 minutes and 20, 20, 22 seconds. He's got two shutouts. His goals against average is 2.69. He's got a .914 save percentage. So his numbers are great. He's 13, 7, and 4. And again, he started those 24 games. That's the most in the NHL, which I think is too many. Obviously, that was situationally dependent. But you look at this next schedule. So Saturday against the LA Kings, why don't you play Cam Talbot? And then from there, you can do a Riddick-Talbot-Riddick-Talbot split because you look at the Colorado Avalanche game on Monday, back-to-back in Arizona. That sets up Cam Talbot quite nicely for a a back-to-back scenario. So you play David Riddick on Monday in Colorado. You played Cam Talbot on Tuesday in Arizona. Then you come home. The Flames host the Toronto Maple Leafs. You play David Riddick against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then they play the Carolina Hurricanes on Saturday in a week's time. So then you play Cam Talbot. So you you see how this really 
this partnership would work really well if you just alternate the goaltenders right before Christmas. And then that would give the team some confidence in playing in front of Cam Talbot. Not that they don't have that already, but I just think that some extended looks and some more consistent looks would just really get him feeling good and get the team feeling good and playing in front of him, knowing what he does, knowing his tendencies. We saw that, of course, with Mickey Kippersoff a million years ago, where nobody else could really fill in for him because everybody knew how to play in front of Mika Kippersoff and nobody really understood the tendencies of another guy. And Mika Kippersoff wanted to shoulder that load and obviously the Flames needed him to shoulder that load at that time. But this is a totally different scenario. David Riddick has established himself. We know he's a, a bona fide NHL starter now. He's had a body of work. The last few months have been excellent for him and he's really responded to that workload. Although I do think there has been signs of some mental tiredness. He took Thursday's morning skate off and he's been they've been really mindful of his rest right now. And I think this schedule sets up perfectly for a Cam Talbot, David Riddick, back and forth. You see the Pittsburgh Penguins on the 17th, so you play uh, David Riddick then, and then they post the Montreal Canadiens on the 19th, so you play Cam Talbot then, although that would leave one, two, three, four, five days between starts for David Riddick, but that's maybe not necessarily a bad thing. They play the Dallas Stars on the 22nd, and then back-to-back in Minnesota. Maybe you do Cam Talbot one of those games. I think that's probably the way that they would go. That's what they've been doing in the past. Just food for thought, David Riddick, I think, has had a really awesome start to the season, and that's the most important thing for this group right now. The Flames host the LA Kings on Saturday night. The LA Kings are 2-10-1 on the road. It's really been a struggle for them this season, but they always seem to play really, really well against the Calgary Flames. We all know why. The little rivalry between... Drew Doughty and Matthew Kachuk. We'll see if that continues on Saturday night. The Kings are 11-16-2 overall, and they sit at the bottom of the Western Conference. It's going to be that kind of season, I think, for the LA Kings, although they still have some top-end talent and some really nice pieces. The Flames need the points, so it'll be a good game on Saturday night. The Flames are slated to practice Friday. They have Saturday's game, and then they practice on Sunday before heading to Colorado And then they play the Colorado Avalanche and Arizona Coyotes on Monday and Tuesday. That's it for me this week. Join me again on Monday and have a great weekend, everybody.